What's up, what's up? Peace, bless, love. Give thanks to that man above. You're now rocking with Mr. Uncommon. What's up, y'all? Y'all already know who it is. The Fresh Prince himself, Izzy Finesse. And your boy, Josh. Remember, y'all, life in life, gain your experiences, but don't forget to live it. Let's go. Yes, yeah, yeah. I kind of fucked up there, but it's okay. Hey, I got a little nervous. You know why I got Did a little you? nervous? Why? Yeah, we got a guest there. But anyways. Let's go. Before we get into that, please, y'all, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, you know, to our, um, our Off Experience pod. Also on Instagram, um, on YouTube, at Off Experience pod. And let's get this episode rocking. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, also, please don't forget TikTok. Follow us on TikTok where we do our videos and all that other good shit. Besides yes, that... Oh, yeah. Besides that. It's a big one. I'm a little nervous. Yeah? Yeah. Why? Because we got a guest here. Yes, sir. She's somebody, somebody, you know, a friend of mine, Mm -hmm. family member of mine, Mm -hmm. good person to talk to. She's like, she's like, uh, how we say this, like the the door with the garland of emotions (laughs) and mental health (laughs) issues that will once snap, all that shit disappears. You feel me? She's like the... The, 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 the woman in the shoe you want to talk to, go over to her. She'll clear all your problems. She's like the Dr. Serbia of words. Of words. Can we say that? Uh, uh, let's give a good shout out to uh, my, my good friend, you know, OCD therapist, Brianna Calderon. Let's go. Yes. What's up, guys? I'm glad to be here. Yes, yeah. Glad to have you here. That was hey. a crazy introduction. Yeah, and it wasn't all true because oh. I'm not a miracle worker. Oh. <laughs> hey, listen, you help other people, right? Yeah, hey. yeah. That's what matters. That's what matters. That's God's miracle right there. Oh, yeah. Before we get into her, I just want to let y'all know the word of the day today is validation. Mm-hmm. Validation, mm-hmm. guys. The action of checking or proving the validity or accuracy of something. Yeah. Oof. The reason why I chose this is because based on how some people need some sort of validation to know that mental health is a real thing, <laughs> that's the reason why I chose validation to be the word of the day. So now people can actually know what mental health is. So let's yeah. get into it, y'all. Cool, cool. Let's get into it. Also, um, um, what month it is, too? Suicide Awareness mm. Month. Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. Mm. That's September? September, yeah. yeah. Write you know that down. Write that down. Is it, like, I have a, all right, on that one, right? Because like, I've never heard this before. Mm-hmm. Like, growing up, I've never heard these months happening, like, mm-hmm. all these awareness month. Like, where does this come from? I don't know. Like that I'm curious about, I'll be honest. Like yeah, because there's all different types. It's not just mental health. It's like this yeah. is also Hispanic Heritage Month. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so shit. like there's yeah, all different. I think people just decided to make in a, a month honoring or celebrating certain different experiences. Yeah. So it's like a new thing to like they're just yeah. inserting into the month, which is dope. Um, you know, which is dope. That's I'm how not we evolved. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Like this wasn't this w- there wasn't an awareness of this before. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's at like what point did it get noticed? Right. Yeah. Right. That's basically what you're asking, right? Yeah, at pretty much. Like, what did it come out? Like, yeah. you know, if anybody knows. Hey, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, if someone knows, tell us, please. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because it's like, okay. It, but no, it's dope. It's dope. It's yeah, dope. it's true. It's true. But it's not only, be, you know, it's Suicide Prevention Month. You know, so for everybody who has any suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation, seek some help. You know, you can ask a friend. You can ask your moms, even though she might. Think like you're a little pussy because you know you're crying <laughs> and shit. Which is exactly why we need to ask oh, for no. help. Exactly. Because the reason we have awareness months like this is because we want to bring attention to certain issues, and suicide is obviously something that people want to change, want to prevent. Yeah. Um, so we need to kind of have the conversation around it. And one way that you can really work to 
heighten your awareness of suicide and suicide prevention is to just talk about it because not enough people talk about it. Mm. And since not enough people talk about it, people feel afraid to reach out for help. Mm. And yeah. when you feel afraid to reach out for help, then you handle things on your own. And then when you handle things on your own, it doesn't always work out. It does, you're not, you don't have a support. Yeah, yeah. So we have to have these conversations. We have to talk about suicide. Talking about suicide is not going to make people want to uh, commit suicide. It's Sorry, not commit suicide. That's... Actually, <laughs> something we should also talk about <laughs> yeah, because yeah. the word commit is synonymous. It's kind of like committing a crime, doing right. something illegal or doing something bad. So when we don't really want to use committing suicide as a phrase anymore, died by suicide, probably the better phrase. Okay. Um, okay. Because we don't want to criminalize people that are yeah. in pain and feel like their only way out is to okay. do something like that. You know, you know what's crazy? Like, it's... Because we in this top, we in this whole conversation now, right? And this is the reason why me and him, like, we, we, we kind of, like, spoke on this before we started this because of that reason, to speak on people that don't want to speak on, don't, yep. that are afraid to speak on things, right? As far as, like, men, because it's, it's, and I'm not saying women it don't don't have the same issues, but men are more vulnerable to not want to do, look crazy in front of other yep. men, right? So they'd be like, all right. I'm going to deal with it a different way. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it made us be like, okay, if we could do it, maybe the somebody else could actually see, okay, boom. Yep. That, that, like, that's dope. If these two can actually sit down at a table and talk to somebody, then I could do the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Totally. So and that's why the patriarchy fucking sucks. Because yes. why can't men have feelings? Yeah, you're exactly. Right. You're right. Why can't men express those feelings? You're right. Why can't yeah. men tell each other that they love each other because they are family, they're friends, yep. they're a support group? Yep, you're right. It's yep. true, because I tell my brothers here every day, when we hang up the phone, when we see each other, yo, I love you, bro. Yep. That's just because yeah. it's genuine, you know what yep. I'm saying? It's it's the way I feel for it, you know? Absolutely. And I'm not afraid to say it, you know? I don't mind telling my brothers, like, yo, I love you, my my, my dude, you know, you the, you the man, son. It's just to give them that good hierarchy <laughs> level of uh, of being that, that dude, you know? You give them that good pat in the back, yeah. you yep. know what I'm saying? Continue doing you, because you shine, I shine. We shine together and we'll be... Two bright stars in the sky. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pretty so, much. So, 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 if with that said, right? Let's get. Let's go to the origin of it, right? Like what? How? Why did you decide to become a, a therapist? What? What drove you into this? This feeling? Yeah. Failure. Oh, failure okay. drove me to being a therapist, and I don't mean that I became a therapist because. I am a failure. I failed at something. And I wanted course, to actually yeah. go to medical school. I wanted to be a medical examiner. Really? I wanted okay. to be the New York City coroner. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Really. I wanted to be that. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> you like that? I wanted, you like to, be that? That. <laughs> I wanted to be forensic files. I wanted yeah. to be okay. all that. Oh, I, I was into that, that shit. Nice, nice, And nice. I really did want to be. I always wanted to do something in, like, science-ish. So what stopped you? My grades. Okay. College <laughs> fucks me I know, yeah. College that that, that no. fucks a lot of people. That calculus class fucked me. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was. It got hard. It calculus got hard. is hard. I didn't even get to calculus in school, to be honest. I started right at geometry, and it was. Yes, it was I did pre-calc <laughs> twice yeah, because exactly. I could not get to calculus. It <laughs> was. I really struggled in college to do the stuff that I felt like I excelled in high school and in middle school, um, but I made it out. Right, right. I got yeah, good grades. Yeah. I I was diligent enough that I applied to grad school, even though I didn't get into the one that I wanted. I wanted to go to John Jay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Blessings to John Jay because because you did not accept me because of my silly GRE scores. The GRE is a standardized test. It's kind of like the SATs before grad okay. schools. Wow. Um, they did not accept me. 
And it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. So I failed always, twice. Always. I couldn't be a medical examiner because my grades weren't good enough. Yeah. I couldn't go to John Jay for forensic psychology because my GRE score wasn't good enough. I ended up in SUNY Old Westbury in Long Island. Okay. And it ended up taking me exactly to where I needed to be, which was yeah. becoming a therapist. And it sucked to fail at something because I really, really wanted to nice. be a medical examiner. I really mm. wanted to... I mean, I seen an autopsy in person. Mm. I went as far as to intern at a wow. hospital, <laughs> and I seen an autopsy. In That's person. fire! You seen so the autopsy I seen done? An autopsy done. Yeah, I am not gonna oh, lie. Yeah. I commend you for that. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God, <scary>. because <laughs> look, just a, a quick sidebar story, right? Just I went. I was. I used to be exterminator, so I had went to a funeral home, mm -hmm. and downstairs they do. They were doing doing all that shit, bro. <laughs> Spraying. As soon as I heard, woof, <laughs> I'm gone. I'm gone. I am gone. There's no, look, my, look, my hand's going right now. Like, I am gone. There's no way. So I do commend you for that. Like, you you got to have, like, the strength, like, yeah. the heart to be like, okay, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, like, no, yeah, like without yeah. thinking nothing else of it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. like, what attracted you to that? Honestly, just growing up on Forensic Files, growing up on, like, really? being a true millennial woman and being obsessed with true crime, being obsessed with, for, you know, who knows why. There's definitely a psychological reason for it, but <laughs> I think that a lot of millennial women love true crime, love murder yeah. stories, yeah. love <laughs> horror, and... Come, come, come. Well, that's why they <laughs> my wife. That's why they, created, that's why they created that show, Scorned. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, even that show, too, like, um, How to Get Away with Murder, too, mm -hmm. that's a good show, too. Yeah. So I wanted to do that, and it just didn't work out. So, But I wanted to stay kind of, like, in science -y. Yeah. Even mm -hmm. if I couldn't do, like, full-on that mm -hmm. kind of science, I wanted to go towards, like, some type of science. So they s people consider psychology a soft science, okay. which... Yeah. It's not really soft, but I mean. Okay. If you want okay. Some hair, nah, okay. Wait. <laughs> That's different. I yeah, yeah, yeah. That. And I, I, I never, never think that. like soft science. Yeah, I never knew that. I thought psychology was actually a, a hard science level because of the. I mean, I would consider it a hard science level, but I guess because it's not. It's Is not it like the other. Sciences. I could see why. I, I could see why that fits though. Yeah, it's yeah, because it's maybe you're just dealing with like just psychological psychological things. Maybe the other science thing is like. Like anatomy and all that stuff, and you know, breaking you, uh, opening yeah. you up, or whatever the case, right? Studying you, yeah. stuff like that is probably more advanced, if yeah. per se. You want to say like, which is like, listen, you stood, you stood in the field that you want, right? Like yeah. it worked out. I got somewhere, so. so I took a couple of psychology classes in the last semester of college, and then I applied to John Jay, got denied. Then I applied to Old Westbury. I found it like. Because I was, I remember sitting in my parents' living room because I had just moved back from college. I went away for four years. So I was back home for the first time in four years. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, I got to do, like, I can't work in retail. <laughs> I can for now, but I'm oh. not going to be working in yeah, retail for the rest of my, at least I don't mm -hmm. want to. Right, no hate right, to people right. who work in retail. It just was not my dream mm -hmm. or not what <laughs> I wanted to do for work. Um, and yeah, so I was sitting in my parents' living room one night. I was Googling grad school programs for psychology found Old Westbury, and I applied, interviewed, thought I bombed the interview, nice. and I didn't, or I did, okay. and they had, you know, <laughs> they kind of took pity on me, and they're like, let's let her try it. <laughs> let's give her the benefit right, of the doubt. Right, right. Um, and yeah, it was, the rest of that is history. I got into grad school, I graduated in 2015, um, I started working my first full-time job in the field right out of uh, grad school. 
Really? Then, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I really lucked out. I started part-time. Um, I, I was able to do that because I was lucky enough to be still living in my parents' home, and they didn't really ask a lot of okay. me okay. other than going to school. Yeah, a lot of leeway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they set me up real nice, and I'm really thankful and grateful for yeah. that because yeah. I was able to get here. And then uh, I got my license. So with the track that I took, mental health counseling, you have to do – right after you graduate, you have to do a certain amount of hours. It's 3,000 – Hours working, but fifteen hundred direct client face to face clinical hours, and then you take a state test. So I had to take the it's called the National Clinical Mental Health Counseling Exam. It's a mouthful, <laughs> and it's a hard test, and I failed the first time too. Yeah, <laughs> I did yeah, not yeah. do well. How many questions is on it? It's oh my god, it's like ten case studies or something oh. like that, and each uh. case study has specific <laughs> questions that are about like diagnosing and assessing. Mm. Um, treatment planning and stuff like that. So it's gotcha. it, there's no like set amount of questions. It's yeah. just like case yeah, studies yeah. and then you answer. P- questions pop up out of nowhere. Just randoms. Um, yeah. I thought, cool. I thought it would be like multiple choice or something. At least <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 right? It is, <laughs> it is multiple choice, uh, but the multiple choice is specifically on like a blurb that you read about a specific gotcha. case or yeah. a specific mm-hmm. client, and you have to kind of oh, okay, use the okay, information yeah. that's in that blurb. Mm-hmm. And if you, I, if I remember correctly, if you answer a question correctly, then it gives you more information on the gotcha. case. And then if you answer, correct me if I'm wrong, if anyone is watching this and took that test, because I don't remember, I took it a while ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think if you choose the wrong answer, then it doesn't mm-hmm. give you the information. So you have right. less information then. Yeah. So mo- you got to you gotta open a skill. Yeah. Pretty much. Move yeah. on to the next one. Open yeah. the board. It's like playing a game. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cra- that yo, listen, level. that's crazy, right? Like how, how it works. Uh-huh. You got to. D- man, that's, wow. that's How do you prepare for that, though? Mm-hmm. Like. What specialty did you pick up in therapy? In therapy. So specifically what I – vague question, but good question. When I was working in – right out of grad school, I worked with um, adults with developmental disabilities. So that's like autism spectrum, um, whatever is considered a developmental disability in the DSM. The DSM is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. So it's like our book to diagnose certain okay. disorders. Oh. Um, so if people fall along that spectrum, it's now it's no longer called, um, it, it is the autism spectrum, autism spectrum disorder, because it's the spectrum of different types of um, functional differences. Hmm. So I was working in a group home uh, in the Bronx, and I worked there for about two years, and then I went to another job and worked in another group home with another agency. Um, so I really got my, my career started with working yeah. with autism spectrum adults. Um, and then I then the pandemic happened. That sounds tough. Yeah. That's got to be a, like, a, like a, a real handful to deal with. Autistic like, adults. In a, 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 a bunch, right? Because yeah. it's not single. It's, it's just one thing. Yep. And a bunch is, oof. Yep. It's a lot of – I mean, it's I give – I give credit to everyone in the field because none of it is easy work. It's all difficult work. Um, and then among amidst all that, during the pandemic, I took my licensing test the, for the second time, and I passed it the second time. So pandemic hit. I wasn't going into work all the time because COVID restrictions. And yeah. then shortly after the pandemic started, I had to go in like twice a week, but like under heavy restrictions because they were trying to keep people safe. And then I also took the test, passed, you know, Decided that I kind of didn't want to stay here forever because this was a place that gave me the tools I needed to take mm-hmm. the test and the hours that I needed to take mm-hmm. the test. And now I'm like, okay, my journey keeps going. Okay. So where do I go next? And I found something aligned with my want to work from home. Mm-hmm. So I ended up working from home treating specifically OCD. 
Really? Mm. Nice. Okay. Okay. Nice. OCD. Break that down for us. <laughs> for the people in the back that don't know what OCD is. Because honestly, I thought OCD was just uh, making sure everything was perfect. I mean, you know they, 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 yeah, there, I there is levels to yeah. OCD, though. But I didn't know. For sure, was, I, would, I would say. I, like, I, I didn't know it was categorized, right? though. I didn't know until until um, she started doing the whole uh, 718 counseling, and I started going into her page, and she yeah. started posting up all other stuff. So, you know, you can break down what OCD is for the layman's terms, people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so OCD is obsessive-compulsive disorder, and in order to have it as a disorder, you have to meet certain criteria. So I'll break down the criteria diagnostically first. If you have obsessive compulsive disorder, you, in the last 30 days, you have been experiencing both obsessions and compulsions, and you experience it for at least one hour per day in those 30 days. So there's like a time increment mm. for diagnosing this. Right. There also has to be a functional impact. So that means that it has to interrupt your work life, your home life, your leisure life, mm. anything, any domain in your life where you have to function as a, an adult a, what we would call a fully functional adult, which is vague. Yeah. <laughs> if it impacts your functioning, yeah, yeah, pretty yeah, 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 yeah. then it, it is considered um, clinically significant. So then okay. we would say, then that is another part of it. Mm -hmm. But you have to have obsessions, compulsions. You have to meet that time increment. It has to be functionally impactful. And you have to recognize it as an issue. Now, you can meet the criteria and be labeled with the disorder, or you can also experience symptoms that don't lead up to the full criteria, but mm. it doesn't mean that you're not experiencing obsessions right. and compulsions. Right. Mm. Yeah. See, that right there, right? Like, because I was going to say, like, I, I, when I said there's levels and all that, it's because, like, <coughs> I think everybody has some type of OCD. Of course. Like, oh right? Yeah. And then people joke about it a lot, too. They be like, I got OCD. I got to clean this. I got to clean that. Mm. And, and which, would, you, would you say that's it? Like, that, that would be some type of something yeah. that. But you know? see, that's the way I thought it was. Like, yo, oh, snap. I got a little something in my hand real quick. Yeah, there's like a mess or something. I got to scrub it out, scrub it out till your hand turns pink. That's what I thought it was, and that's what it was, and that's the only thing it goes. How, how about if you got to check something multiple times? It also That could be compulsive. That, that, or it, it could, could be compulsive. Be compulsive. Yeah, it, well, if it's compulsive, then you're, rea you're, you're behaving compulsively because you're responding to some obsession or intrusive thought that you have. So when you say that a lot of people are kind of have OCD, it's not that, but everybody experiences intrusive thoughts or intrusive urges, doubts, things like that. And yeah. by when I say intrusive, I just mean we've all had thoughts that we don't want to have, thoughts yeah. that we know are not like aligned with our values or not aren't indicative of like who we are as a person. Yeah. And they don't feel comfortable because we know that we don't want to have those thoughts. But yeah. having an intrusive thought and responding to an intrusive thought compulsively are two different things. Everybody has intrusive thoughts. I don't care who you are. If you want to deny it, yeah. that's your prerogative. <laughs> you're lying. That's fine. We all have intrusive everybody. thoughts, and it's fine. We have brains. That's what brains do. Mm -hmm. But if you are acting compulsively or think even thinking compulsively, it can be considered obsessions, compulsions. Okay, yeah, Shit. because, you know, sometimes I'll be like, like, I'll go to the stove, and I'll, I'll turn the knob, and then I'll leave. I'll walk out, then I'll walk right back in, turn the knob, like, make sure the knobs are good. And I'll probably be like, fuck, hold on, because I, I was around that area, so let me go back, because I, got, I don't want to make sure that my hip hit it or something. Like, like what, what would you consider that? Like, I would say right? that, that is, it definitely can be compulsive. That's great. And we all, a lot of us do that because our brain kind of plays tricks on us. You yeah. kind of remember, like, I did this yesterday where I, I was ironing a shirt, 
and I checked like twice to yes. see if that iron was unplugged, not even off, just unplugged. And by the second time, I'm like, okay, I got it. Like, I know for sure. <laughs> I looked at that outlet. <laughs> I'm walking away from it because if I do it again, then I'm going to go be going down this rabbit hole that I do not need to go on. Yep. So I walked away from it. And of course, it was unplugged. Now, people make mistakes. I've left shit on before. Mm. I've left my yeah. hair straightener yeah. on before. We make mistakes. But those those behaviors can be compulsive. It doesn't always mean that you have an obsession related to it. Yeah. If you yeah, have an obsession true. related to it, it's because your brain is fixating on a topic or a theme or a doubt or an urge, and you are acting or thinking comp- in a compulsive way to rid yourself okay. of those bad feelings from when that thought happened. So like, you might have checked that thing a couple of times, but how long? When, once you walked away from it, how long did you think about it afterwards? You know what's crazy? It's good you say that, right? Because it's true. I walked away, <laughs> and then like... Maybe like a, like a, like maybe like a minute or two. Like, hold on, like, hold on, I gotta go back. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go back. Hold on, and I go check it again for no reason. And I know, I know that I, bro, I know I didn't touch. It, I yeah. know it, but it's just the the thought. Like you yeah. just said, it's the thought that you go, wait, just if, just if <laughs> yeah. something happened. Yep. But wouldn't I just want to be safe? Wouldn't that be considered like overthinking? I mean, that's kind of what OCD anxiety include overthinking. It's called rumination, ruminating, overthinking on something that any topic literally could be anything. Can I I be like um, hypothetically like speaking like can I can I would it be like an intrusive thought? Right. Like when somebody says uh, hypothetically speaking, like what if what if? Yeah, I decided like, to oh. take this bottle and just bang myself over the head. That's or if this happens. That could be an intrusive yeah. thought, yeah. Because okay. people, I mean, we have those types of thoughts. I mean, have you guys ever been in a car, like, riding over a bridge, and you're like, yes. what if? All right, <laughs> 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 yeah, I haven't even said that. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. You, you start thinking, like, Final Destination type yeah. shit, bro. Like, it's just some yeah. wild <laughs> things you think. Yeah. Like, why do we think that? It's like, yeah. it's just mind-blowing, yeah. right? Mind-blowing. You don't believe it will happen, but you'd be like, what if? Like it's a contradiction between yeah. yourself, yeah. right? So it's just it, it's just weird, bro. It's I, even yeah. wild, it's crazy. Weird. Absolutely. Yeah, even even people get stuck on the road, they be driving, they get stuck, they have that thought, like, and they snap, like, oh shit, I'm driving, <laughs> you know, <laughs> snap back to reality that I'm driving. I could get yeah. into any ac- accident right now. Yeah, that's the wild part. <laughs> but even like if you're driving and you can have so many intrusive thoughts about driving. Mm. Am I going to cut the wheel and drive off this bridge? Am mm. I going to stomp on the brake? And anyone that's in my car, the people that mm. I love are going to fly out. Like all of these horrible thoughts right. that you would not want to have and you know that you would never do that because that's not your value. It's actually yeah. really scary. It builds up a fear and an anxiety and a worry in you. And for people who have OCD or, or have symptoms of obsessive compulsive disorder, maybe not leading up to the criteria, the full criteria, they feel so held down by that fear and that anxiety and that worry that they do things to r- do or think things to rid themselves of that mm. anxiety or that worry. So you might have those thoughts. We all might have those thoughts when we're yeah. driving over a bridge, but people who are doing reacting compulsively are not driving over that bridge or they're, they're avoiding the bridge or yeah. they have someone driving the car for them because they can't go over that bridge. Wow. My, my wife argues with me all the like when we, every, we go on a bridge every time, but she don't like to be on the f- the, the right lane, mm-hmm. closer to the water, right? right she was right. like, why you do this all the time? Can you please move out the lane? Like, So her thoughts be crazy when yeah. she's on that side. So she feels more safe on one side than the other. So it's like... Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I can see it though. It's, it's, your mind plays wild tricks on you. Brain is wild. Wild tricks on you. Brain's oh, it wild. is. It is. Um, what challenges do people go through as a person who has OCD? 
Oh, man. There, it really depends. No one's story is exactly the same, although a lot of people's stories are similar. Um, you can have really any severity of OCD. Um, some people, like myself, I struggle with some obsessive-compulsive thoughts, um, and my partner actually called out, called me out on a thing that I was telling you in the car earlier. I'm not going to get into it, yeah. but we'll get into it <laughs> late off the pod. Um, but for me, when I, when I have obsessions or compulsions or I'm feeling myself getting fixated on something and I'm kind of mentally acting compulsively, I know that I am not in a space where, like, I can – my case is not severe as some cases. Um, I can easily kind of – not easily, I won't say easily – but I can recognize those thoughts and remember that, like, what would I tell my clients to do? Because yeah, yeah. my clients have been in this situation. They felt this. They felt worse. Um, and then there's different levels of severity. Like, people don't leave their homes. People become agoraphobic, which is, you know, wow. not wanting to, so not just not leaving your home, but being having a difficult time what getting out in the world. What, what, what was that word? What was what you said? Agoraphobic. It's Go a phobia. I'm sorry. Agoro? Agoraphobia. Agoraphobia. Yeah. yeah. Agoraphobia. Okay. What is what is it? What is it? It's a phobia. You know what? Let's look it up. Like that. Let's get the specific it's like definition. Like that. Agoraphobia. You gotta learn these things, man. Because look, these, these are these are words yeah, that we yeah. don't even know about, and th to even look at it, and be like, okay, you start seeing the symptoms. Oh, sure, I am going through this. Maybe <laughs> maybe that's something that you gotta, got you should it. look yeah, up. I got it. I got, it. I got no service. <laughs> Agoraphobia is a mental and behavioral disorder, specifically an anxiety disorder characterized by symptoms of anxiety in situations where the person perceives their environment to be unsafe with no easy way to escape. Mm. It's like being like a crab in a barrel. Yep. You don't know right, right, right. You know, yep. You're scared to go outside. Yep. Kind of feel like kind of feel trapped, right? Like yeah. in your own home, in your own home, thinking yep. everything is unsafe. Mm -hmm. Ooh, those are hoarders. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, you know, they, they I mean, they are, I would believe they go through the same. They don't go anywhere. They just collect things and just. Completely different diagnosis. But I think the common thread here is anxiety okay. and worry Probably, yeah. and fear um, with agoraphobia there. The phobia is the fear. Right. Um, and it might not be it might not look like other anxiety disorders, mm -hmm. but there's a specific kind of fear and worry. A lot of symptoms of OCD can look like symptoms of other disorders, honestly. Um, and that's why I feel kind of strongly of refining the diagnostic manual that we use because I think that we have classifications of disorders mm -hmm. and a lot of symptoms look like a lot of disorders. That was actually going to be my next question, too. Okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad. If you got to go ahead because no, I, was, I, I wanted was, to say something about that. That was going to be my next question. My next question was, what are the symptoms of OCD? Symptoms of OCD. So for the full criteria, like we mentioned, 30 days fixating on a topic it could be you're literally anything some of we know it as contamination and mm -hmm. organization um I, that's the way that it's been branded in the media and yeah, it is yeah. very very true it is not invalid because that's not the only part of ocd but there are so many other types of ocd um all ocd is equivalent so it's all kind of based on fear anxiety mm -hmm. worry um fear that you're not living up to your values not living aligned mm -hmm. with your values mm -hmm. Um, and there are different subtypes. So we have contamination, cleanliness, um, perfectionism yeah. is a type of can be a type I of OCD. Doesn't mean that all I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because even I, I catch myself doing that sometimes. Where, um, uh, like, if I'm standing around some people and we're talking about something, 
and I see like a piece of paper on a table and it's, it's not aligned with the edge of the table, <laughs> I'll grab the piece of paper and bring it down to the edge of the table and keep it there and then look, stand back and look at it and go, uh-huh. <laughs> it's there. You know what I'm saying? It's there. It's, it's perfectionism. There. Like, yo, it, it has to be perfect. But like even that, that's a good example. Even that could be considered perfectionism or what's also called just right. OCD, meaning that whatever you're worried about has to be just right to you. So it might not be symmetrical, and it might be symmetrical, but it might be like, um, I feel I got dressed today, and I just feel like these clothes don't feel right on my body. Like, I need it to feel right. These threads don't feel good. The fabric doesn't feel good. I have to change. And then I go and change, and then the next pair of clothes, the fabric doesn't feel good. I can't find an outfit. Oh so it's not necessarily, <laughs> it, it's, right wild. it's wild. It's <laughs> wild. So it's not just the, sim the symmetry, the perfectionism kind of all blend in. But at some point, you can also notice that different subtypes look like other subtypes. For example, yeah. harm OCD, kind of like what we were talking about with the driving over the bridge mm. and fearing that you might cut yeah. the wheel and drive off even though you know you don't want to hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. That could be considered self-harm or harm OCD because the fear is, what if I actually get the desire to cut the wheel and drive off into the river. Jeez. Whoa. I know <laughs> that I don't want to do that, but what if I do? Or what if <laughs> I make a mistake and end up doing it without intending to? That's harm OCD. Could I be like, like, like some superstitious type stuff that yeah. your mind playing tricks on you? Like superstitious? Superstitious OCD is right? a thing. That's yes. it. Okay, cool, cool. That, because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hearing her, so I'm like, nah, all right, the superstitious like, no, this, 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 this is not right. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I feel like if I wear this... So it's gonna happen. Yeah. Yep, yep. I don't Taboo, right? superstition, OCD. Yeah. Right? That's and th wow. that's one thing that is. I used to have that issue before, mm -hmm. right? Like that whole like superstitious type type stuff. Mm -hmm. So certain things, like even walking on on the street, um, walking over the cracks mm -hmm. uh, of of the blocks and all that. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, step on a crack, break step your mother's back. Yo, you, so you, you, know, you understand, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's like you know that that crack is not gonna kill your mom, but what if it will? But what if it will? Right. <laughs> so I had to literally like like really like force myself to really get off that space because I know that my energy is gonna was gonna bring whatever is gonna come to yeah. me anyway. So my mind just shifted off to okay, that's not real. Yeah. That's not real. Mm -hmm. My 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 belief is more in in, in him, right? It's more, it's more spiritual, I guess, mm -hmm. if you want to per se. Um so in that energy, mm -hmm. that whatever energy you put out is the energy you come back. So it was hard, but that right there is 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 it, a fuck is a messed up thing, right? Yeah. Like it's scary. It's scary. It's scary. That's you know why people freak out over it because they are so worried that am I living? Am I having these thoughts? And I am not aligned with my values. I want to harm myself. I don't think I want to harm myself. But what if I do yeah. and I don't even know it? It really is kind of a mind fuck. And going back to what we were, what I was saying before about like my own experiences with obsessive compulsive behaviors and thoughts. There's levels of severity. OCD is an extremely debilitating disease. A lot of people have it and don't know it. It gets misdiagnosed all the time by people who aren't really educated, by therapists or practitioners who aren't really educated on it. And it, it is one of the disorders that people feel, depending on the severity, people have a higher rate of attempts at suicide because mm. of it. Of the OCD mm. issue. Yep, of OCD. It's too and much for them to handle? Per se, if, that, if they it go into that space? Is, it puts you in a dark headspace to where sometimes if you don't get the proper help, if you don't talk about it, if it's stigmatized, if you're, not, if you're in an environment where you're not supported, it can make you feel very isolated. It can make you feel very alone. People have shame talking about the more taboo stuff, the more stuff that is like heavily intrusive to the point that like 
talking about it publicly would feel shameful because the public might perceive it to be something else, which we can get into. Um, it's an extremely debilitating disorder. People make attempts at suicide because of it, and that's why we need to talk about it. It's perfect that we're talking about it in Suicide Prevention Awareness Month because it is a disorder that can result in that, and we want to prevent that as much as possible. We want to get the information out there that yeah. there is help. You are not crazy. Crazy is not a word in our vocabulary. You are a person that's experiencing these things. Your pain is real. Your val your life is has value. Your life has worth. And we just want to make sure that if people don't have access to care, we can educate them and help them as much as possible yeah. so yeah. they don't feel alone. Yeah, that's a fact. Hey, Try to drop that right there. It's a good round of applause right there. So. Yeah, I'm learning so much right now. It's crazy. <laughs> I you know there was like different category of like OCDs like that. Like how you were just saying like the just right OCD mm -hmm. and everything else. But um, I know you also specialize in like PTSD and everything. I just wanted to know more about that. Because, um, you know, coming from where we come from, which is like the Bronx, you know, in New York is crazy. And I feel like or like like anywhere in the world, like say we come from like a hard area. And a lot of dudes say that they experience PTSD, you know, from like probably like from gun violence or just, you know, being out on the street. So have you ever like dealt with something like anybody like that? So I'm trained in the specific treatment. One of the treatments that people uh, do for PTSD, one of the evidence based treatments, evidence based treatments mean that scientists has done research on them. They've had clinical trials. Um, so I am trained in prolonged exposure okay. for PTSD. But remember that just like OCD. You can have trauma. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you have PTSD as the disorder. You could have PTSD. Okay. You might not. But just okay. because you don't have diagnosed PTSD or because you go to a therapist and they don't diagnose you with specifically PTSD yeah. doesn't mean that you haven't gone through traumatizing things and doesn't mean that you don't experience mm -hmm. those symptoms. There's also something called complex PTSD, which is over time experiencing a multitude of different traumatic events yeah. and it kind of all stacks on top of each other whereas PTSD we look at it as more kind of like a singular or an index event or index trauma we would call it yeah. um, so for prolonged expo the treatment prolonged exposures is good for post-traumatic stress disorder in the sense of like looking at one specific index trauma um, and it really is about teaching people okay. that your traumatic experience happened but your brain is responding in a way that you are kind of like always reliving that trauma. Okay. And we want people to understand, we want people's brains to learn that the memory of trauma and recalling the trauma does not equate going through the trauma again, even though in the moment it feels like it because you're yeah. experiencing all of those symptoms. But that would kind of be like fear too, right? Like fear because you just keep rethinking and rethinking yeah. and thinking it's going to happen again. Fear that okay. the, the trauma is going to happen all yeah. over again. and. It, depending on the environment that you're in, depending on what the trauma is, it's not an invalid fear. It's a pretty valid fear. That's why yeah. people are so people feel that in such intensity because yeah. the probability of it happening again is not zero, and people harp on that. Even that yeah. one percent, they feel even that one, even the a point one percent, they feel like something still will happen. Yeah, and the sim they're they're experiencing almost the like having flashbacks. It's kind of mm. like you're experiencing the trauma all over again. You're not physically or realistically but it feels like that when your brain goes into that space it's yeah. funny you say that because like all right like deja vu right can someone get stuck in a deja vu as an intrusive thought that's a really interesting question okay i don't have the answer to that okay no <laughs> because i know someone I, the reason why i bring it i bring it up is because i know someone who who gets stuck in a deja vu and and it overwhelms them 
where they get they start heavily breathing. Mm-hmm. They can't control panic them. Attacks yeah, panic so they, attacks. They, they, they feel that they like they literally like they see that deja vu like every and, and happening much, every time. And as much them? as I try to ask them, what do you feel? What do you see? They say it's the same thing that I've experienced before over and over again. It was like a Groundhog Day? Pretty much. Mm. But you know, in Groundhog Day, you see how he was going a bit insane at the beginning because he started seeing things over and over again. I mean, it was the same yeah. day every but day, But then every he day, got accustomed day. to it and he started fixing things to make sure that right. he won't get out right. of it. That's what I'm trying to tell him, the person that I'm talking about. Why don't you just think about outside of the box of being in this intrusive thought or this deja vu and get yourself out of it? And the reason why I say intrusive thought is because he starts thinking about bad things mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like yeah. uh, uh, uh what would happen if uh, this would happen to me now and then he starts yeah. to get yeah. you know what and stuff you, like that. you know what though like if 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 a person starts thinking that right and they go okay what if what if you're not going through this anymore and you just choose to be like yo fuck it i'm i'm doing this is happening so much like I'm, i can't deal with this the what if? Let me just see what what what, what happens. The real outcome. What what it, what it is, right? Yeah. If I just change, you know, thinking about something perception. outside of right, different perception, right? Um, why is it so hard to like to get to be in get into that space? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, I think number one, I, we would need more information on that case yeah, because okay. it could be, like I said before, a lot of symptoms can look like a lot of other disorders. Mm-hmm. A lot of symptoms are the same symptom. Your trauma response might not yeah. be my trauma response. Right. My trauma response might be your coping skill that you've refined. So it really is mm-hmm. you know, a case-by-case, um, individual basis. Um, but I think when people, especially people who have experienced trauma throughout their life, their nervous system is on such high alert all the time. Yeah. It's really hard to lean towards those thoughts of rationality and thoughts of, you know, what's realistic. You can consciously know that, okay, I, I am in my home, so I know I'm safe, or I'm not experiencing said trauma over again. Um, but your nervous system is in overdrive. Your brain is in overdrive. It's not easy. Just like with OCD, it's not easy to yeah. lean on the rationality because mm-hmm. the hurt part of your brain or the traumatized part of you or that OC, the you know part of your brain that where OCD lives is cl- more or less playing tricks on you. Right, okay. Right, right, right. Okay, and the way that you actually broke it down that way, so the person who I'm actually talking about, I hope they actually tune into this part because it is true. The way that you broke it down, it is a way where... It seemed like it was trauma before for him, but now where he's at in life is like, um, it's like a, it's like how would I say it is like, like it's like finding something but you can't really grasp it, you know what I mean? Like you're trying to find if I can get this the right way. No, I can't. If I could get this, no, I can't because like everything's like just slipping the water like pretty much and it's slipping right through his fingers. So yeah. now that anxiety brings up that that deja vu. Like oh, I don't want to get put in this position again. You know what I'm saying? So now he starts thinking about being in that position again. And I was rising his anxiety even more and, and, and making him feel a little uneasy. I, I want, and I want to piggyback off that, right? Because now, what is the thought What is the thought of a person that's from that, right, to a person always thinking whatever it is, the first thought is a negative thought behind it? Mm. Negative self-deprecating thoughts. I mean, really, like I said, it's, it's on a case-by-case basis. It could be related to any disorder. It might not be related to – it might not be related to any disorder. Um, I think talk, negative self-talk comes from conditioning, so probably from childhood. Not always from childhood, but usually from childhood. Yeah, um, Doesn't always mean that it's you've experienced trauma as a child. Um, but usually I would say if there's a 
is that voice that is shitting on you in the moment, is that your voice or is that someone else's voice? Mm. Where is that voice coming from? I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. That's, that's, good, that's, that's good because it is true. Like, because yeah. if, if, if your first thought is always to say, to somebody say something, you go, damn, but what if this always, always the negative yeah. side is never the positive? Like, be like, oh my God, yeah, that is dope. Maybe that we could do that. But no, no, it's just got to be this negative side. You just, you just, like you said, like it's fine. Like you know what I always wonder though too. Like um, it's funny how we mentioned like how like how we talking about that too. Cause this like um personality disorder, is that real? Like when a person can have like different personalities and like somebody's just talking in their head and then they oh, this like person like that schizo oh, like a schizo. Oh, oh. Well, that th- what did that oh, be no, considered a like, different, like a medical t- a more medical? No, like yeah, there was like a movie on it too, and it was like he was just like a different person. Split, each day. yeah, split. split. Oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like people like yeah. that gotta be intrigued into that, right? Like, no, yeah, it was, it was that movie that I'm talking about because it's like I, I really wonder if there's like a like a, a real thing with that. It's uh, <laughs> so the thing is, what would be considered multiple personality disorder? I think is called dissociative identity disorder. I'm not an expert the at ID. all in it. I don't yeah. know really anything about it. Um, but I, it's funny that you guys mentioned that because I recently listened to a podcast, a therapy podcast, where yeah. they were talking about bad representations of mental disorders and like therapy and media. And Split came up because it is <laughs> such a stigmatized, criminalized example of dissociative okay. Okay. identity yeah. disorder that it's. I mean, I like the movie, but the, when I heard that <laughs> podcast, I'm like, damn, you're right. Like, that is a terrible example. Huh. And it further stigmatizes people who actually experience it. that, especially, like you said, schizophrenia. Yeah. It's so branded as something that it, it's inflated into something that it isn't really accurate, that people approach people who suffer from schizophrenia with that kind of, like, hands yeah, off, like, oh, they're yeah. going to explode at some point where you don't even know what the person's going through. And that's yeah. why doing stuff like this is so important because the more that we call out this misinformation, the better we will get as a society and, uh, and evolve to learn that, okay, we need to be a little bit more empathetic in these approaches yeah. and we need to be a little bit more aware of what is the individual struggle, not yeah. just what are their symptoms that they're okay. presenting. Yeah. Symptoms are important because they're telling a story, but you have to listen to that story. That's yeah, facts. Yeah, That's facts. Yeah, yeah. That's true. So yeah. like you would say like a person who likes schizophrenia would, would like need like a therapist? I would say a person with schizophrenia would need an appropriate care team if they are suffering. They would need yeah. to get diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that they would need an appropriate I mean, care team. With, with my ex- I'm sorry. No, you, no, but no. With, with my experiences working at the hospital, I do believe in that. Like, like yeah. people who do suffer from schizophrenia, they will go... They will have to build a, a team of doctors, nurses, social workers, and everything just to make sure that this person stays as a member in society. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they, I wouldn't want to say crazy, but because it's not a word for. Yeah, we're not using the word thing. crazy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2023. We're evolving. Being nah, more politically correct. That got to be politically correct. <laughs> yeah, because nowadays, you know, some people, like, they'll do one of those look up in the sky and whisper something to themselves. We all do, though. I know. So now my we thing all talk is... To we all, yeah, we I all talk to each other. So we all talk to be, ourselves. Some like people would say, it's always good to talk to yourself, but not answer yourself. I answer myself, too. Why <laughs> not? Your brain. You know what I'm saying? Why not? What are you doing? I don't fucking know. Exactly, yeah, right, exactly <laughs> right there. Like, fuck, like, yeah, bro. Like, yeah, you, you look at... Damn, should I be eating this? 
Yeah, I think I should be. We we do that all the time. We just don't realize it. We walk walk by the streets, because when you're walking down the street, what are you really doing? You're thinking, right? But you, now you your, see your, your brain is going. Now this plays into that whole voice in your head thing. Like remember when you say it all depends. Remember when you said it all depends on wh- who's is it your voice that you're listening to or someone else's voice? You see, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like you know, you're walking down the street. Now that intrusive thought that you're thinking of is it your voice or is it? Somebody else is telling you, yo, what if you just jump in front of this bus right now? Will your family miss you? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Shit like that. That's the wild thought about. Yo, bro. Yeah. You, yeah. Yo, you, know, <laughs> you know what's crazy you say that, bro? Like, it's not funny, but, dude, the thoughts that go through people's minds, and I'm be real right now, right? Thoughts like that, when then you be like, oh, dude, my family miss me. And then you jump right into it and be like, I won't even be here to know if they fucking miss me or not. So why the fuck am I even thinking about <laughs> yeah, this shit? Like, I'm asking myself, right? Like, like, I swear to God, bro. Like, I'm like, yo, what? No, what? What That's the fuck I'm doing? Like, I wouldn't even be here. I would, well, I'm going to see this guy. They miss me. Yeah, no. There's no way. So, yeah, I do answer myself, bro. Like, yeah. I, hey. watch, I watch a lot of movies, and Ghost is one of my number one movies. Ghost so. is my shit. I, I, I so if I could be like Patrick Swayze and watch somebody from a thousand, they'd be like. Bro, if that was real. <laughs> I still wouldn't do that with myself, but still, <laughs> I wait for my time to come, bro. Like, <laughs> that's funny. Though. No, but it's true. But I, I have, I have a thing like because doctors, right? When, when they try to diagnose people, like, who is it up to to diagnose these 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 people with these these problems, right? Because sometimes I feel like it's a fine line, and and people diagnose certain things w- without it even being that. Mm-hmm. Right, Absolutely. and then and then you got somebody. Oh, he's he's diagnosed with this, and you're like, like he get they get old and all that. Whatever case, and that's not even the case. So why are you even diagnosed them from the beginning with that? Right. So the criteria, like, do do you do you feel like people just overlook certain things just to get just to get shit moving? Get the ball rolling. Right. Just get things moving, and that those type of things happen in, yeah, in these fields. In, in the way in the way he sees it, like, all right, like certain like nowadays, you're a young therapist, right? The reason why he's bringing that up is because nowadays in the medical field or in fields like of, your, of yours, right, people more worry about the money. Right, right. You know That's what I'm saying? saying, right. So, like, for instance, like me working in the, in, the, in the hospital, I can see new residents come in. The old residents, you can see the empathy, the sympathy. You can see them care for you. These new ones will be like, all right, uh, when was the last time you felt this way? How did you feel this way? This, that, 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 that. All right, here's a medication. Go about your so, business. So, so bl- just like so, like. Another yeah. example. When a mother gives birth now, when a mother gives birth now, back in the days, hospitals were more onto a mother's mental state and make sure that she's okay to leave the hospital. That's why they let them stay three, four, five days. Now, nigga, first day you get birth, first day you give birth, you're out of there. 16 hours later, you're getting discharged. Yeah, they're packing you up. You know what I'm saying? So the mental state in the medical fields is not as it used to be. That's why I'm feeding off of what he said. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. th- at what point do, like, at where did people stop caring? It's yeah. like basically what it is. Those are good questions, and I'm have, I have a couple of layers that I want to get into. So, number one, y- I think there's a lot of misinformation, and people aren't, clinicians aren't always trained properly to spot the right symptoms and to call out the right symptoms. So, there, there are kind of like systemic inequities. Um, I think that we're getting better at diagnosing. That's also why we talk about, that's also why I often talk about what OCD looks like because it is so misdiagnosed that 
so many people have it and it gets diagnosed as like generalized anxiety disorder. Some people have been diagnosed with schizophrenia. It, it, it's like Be- what I'm sorry to cut you, but what is generalized like uh, like disorder? Like it, it, it you're just generalizing it to what? I'm gonna probably catch heat for this, but I don't think generalized anxiety disorder and OCD are that different. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't think that they're that different. There's differences, but I would say maybe looking into the future that it would, they might be the same disorder. Okay. They might be. I don't know what that would look like. You know, I'm not the one writing the diagnostic manual, but I think that we're on the fifth version, and the fifth version has been out since I've been in grad school. That was almost 10 years (laughs) ago. So we're due for a revamp. Right, right, right. I think that, yeah, disorders look like other disorders, and it's hard to always tell specifically what it is. Um... So I, I do think that people have a lot of misinformation out there. So some disorders get misdiagnosed. Um, I think we need to have better information, better awareness, better education. But I also do think that there's a culture of individuals. Some individuals don't care. Straight up, some individuals get into fields because of the money. Some individuals you know, don't really have – they're in the wrong field because they don't have a lot of empathy, and they think they have empathy, but they don't. Um, but there is a systemic – keep that thought. No, no, I got you, I got you. There is a systemic issue, especially when we talk about money. Um, blame the insurance companies because insurance companies don't love to pay therapists what they're worth. And given the emotional and mental labor that doing therapy is for someone, not being paid what you're worth and not being – getting all these degrees, getting into student loan debt, to not be paid what you're worth. Yeah is really hard for therapists to rectify. I know I've been there where I'm like, I I remember specifically, I hadn't had my license yet and I was applying for jobs and a job that I applied for, I had already started working full time. So I was already in the field, but I was acquiring my hours. Yeah. I had applied for a job and I asked for the salary and they said 50,000. And I was already making 50,000 at that point. So I'm like, all right, I'm looking for a little bit of a bump. Like yeah. my finances, my bills cost a little bit more now. <laughs> and the person literally said, if you're not licensed, don't expect to make more than $50,000 until after you're licensed. And I was like, bet, you're wrong. <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> and then I got a job that paid me more than that and still gave me my hours, gave me the clinical hours that I needed, the, der- the supervision that I needed. So when we have this culture of therapists are so put in high regard, are needed, especially now post-pandemic, we're like, okay, we know how bad it was during the pandemic. Yeah, we all yeah. need to maybe talk to someone. Um, or you maybe not even just talk to someone. Maybe you need to go to a support group. Maybe yeah. you need to, you know, look up a therapist online if they're giving, like, an online course where you can, like, maybe it's not one-to-one therapy, but you're working on the things that you're struggling with. People don't want to pay therapists. Yeah. And I'll be yeah. honest, I need to eat, too. <laughs> <laughs> I need to pay now my listen, too. Now, y'all, listen, I'm with you. That, hey, I think everybody should get their, 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 their fair dues. But, but see that right there? Do you feel like that that's what makes therapists not care and be in that space because of that reason? I think, and I can speak from specifically my experience, I think therapists start have, not that they don't care, because we always care about our clients, but we sometimes feel exploited when we're asked to do a certain amount of work okay. or see a certain amount of clients or see us, you know, meet a certain amount of hours of specific therapy. Um, 
and when you when you have no way out of working in that type of environment, you burn out. Mm-hmm. And when you burn out, you get tired. And when you get yeah, tired, showing up to therapy, you're still going to do it because it's your job and you genuinely, I care about my client, so I'm always going to show up. But I'm going to show, if I'm burned out, I'm going to show up giving you my reserves and then I have nothing left there after, which was yeah. literally my experience. I left yeah. a job because I really enjoyed doing the work and I really agreed with the mission and I enjoyed the community that I became a part of, but I saw myself having suicide prevention month. Mm. I saw myself having not specifically suicidal thoughts, but thinking like I could use a good coma. <laughs> okay. I mean, oh, <laughs> no. Hey, listen. To exclude myself from the world real quick. <laughs> I could I use a good coma. <laughs> I would go to a hospital. People would have to, I could sleep. People would have to take care of me. People would not, and I not saying that people don't care about me, but I would mm. literally have to be paid attention to, and I can get a break from now, I know a coma is not good, but when yeah. you're that tired and when you notice yourself, for me, I was stuck in my room because my office is in my room. I was stuck in my room after work just staring at the walls because yeah, I true. cannot imagine talking to another person. Yeah. And then that's not fair to my partner because my partner comes home and I want to know about his day. He mm-hmm. wants to know about my day. He already knows that my day sucked because I'm not even talking. <laughs> so that's a fact. We live in a urgent your, your value is linked to your productivity. Your value is linked to how much money you make. That's the type of society we live in, and that's capitalism. I was just about to say <laughs> that. I was just about to say that. Capitalism is the root I of... I was just, there's, there's, there's no around it. It's the root. Yeah. There's no around it. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> there's no around it at all. That's, that's, that's the root of it, like you said. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, because it's true, because my football... Because uh, me working at the hospital, like I said, I've seen... Uh, uh, psychologist come in, fresh face, smiling. <laughs> hey, hey, everyone. <laughs> hey. Ready to change the world. Yeah, I'm a hero with yeah. ham slices of cheese and mayo. Right? Six months later, what you see him like, oh, drain oh, the fuck the out. Yep. Like, a, yeah. like a dry sponge. Walking a, around the hospital. Field, man. They're like, walking around the hospital like this. You know, you always the matter because in order, to, in order to do the profession, you have to be the profession. Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. So he, all those stuff that they hear and they soak in, you see it in their face. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so I understand who, what you're saying. So mean, who, does, who, who does the therapist get therapy from? You got to go to a therapist. <laughs> so it's just like a, like a chain of like... It's I like mean, a, a domino you effect. go to the doctor. Okay. Doctors go to the doctor. Okay, touche. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Barbers go to the barber. Touche. Hey, listen, I'm with you. Hey, like I had a question with that too, because it's like, um, I know, I know, y'all's therapists, y'all have like methods, like how you was explaining before, with like the um, smell the roses. Yeah. And um, smell the flowers. Yeah, that's a question. So like, do you do like those like um methods too, like to like probably like calm yourself down, or if you need to speak to anybody? We have we have knowledge of the tools. Yeah. Sometimes the knowledge is not enough. Sometimes you need the support whatever that looks like. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's one-to-one therapy. It might be support groups. Okay. I mean, there's so many. I don't want people to think that, like, you have mm-hmm. to get married to your therapist and see them for yeah. the rest of your life. <laughs> exactly. You don't have to do that. You can, wow. and I, you, I think you said this in the Mandela Effect episode, which I remembered because I wanted to talk about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do just one-to-one therapy. There are other areas. You can join support groups. You can find a community of people that's, like, head by a therapist and they're not specifically doing therapy with you so it's not individualized yeah. but they're talking about 
you know, they're talking about your emotions. It's a community that you can actually find the topic, find the content that you want to engage in, um, and do stuff like that. People, I know therapists that I follow, my, some of my old colleagues or still colleagues, um, they do like online programs where, okay, you can't get, you can't afford one-to-one therapy because therapy is expensive. Yeah. You can't afford it. So let's get you this boot camp class for how to manage your anxiety, how to manage your OCD. You pay a fee, you pay for the price of the program, whatever it is, and that's yours for forever, and they walk you through that. I have colleagues who do um, classes, really, just like support groups for people that wouldn't otherwise get therapy. The important thing is that you, if you are really struggling with something, not if not only if you just want to like talk about stuff that happened in your life, but if you are experiencing something like OCD or like PTSD, where the symptoms are superseding everything else in your life, you don't, while one-to-one therapy is, I'm going to always advocate for it, we know that we live in a society where it's not easily accessible. Yeah. So you have to find the avenues that you can access help, support yeah. in other ways that isn't just one-to-one therapy. And that's absolutely fine. It should be accessible. It should be, people should be utilizing these tools. It shouldn't be meant for just the elite or just the people who can afford it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, going back to insurance companies... Mm-hmm. insurance companies often need a specific diagnosis or they don't want to cover services. That's right. That's not everyone has a diagnosis. And just because you have a diagnosis doesn't mean that you are not, you shouldn't be able to access therapy. And a lot of insurance companies, especially therapists who own a private practice and take on insurance, a lot of those insurance companies don't want to pay the therapist their full rate. So they don't want to pay whatever the therapist rate is. They want to pay less than that. I don't know what the percentage is. It varies. And that tells the therapist, I'm not valuable. I'm giving yeah. these person my services, and I don't want them to pay out of pocket for it, but the comp- the place that's supposed to be covering it doesn't want to pay me what I'm worth. Yeah. And that's really hard. And that's honestly why a lot of private practice therapists don't take insurance because they can you can pay for it out of pocket and then like file a claim for reimbursement. <laughs> but going through the hoops of actually Trying to get reimbursed by insurance yeah, yeah, is a lot hassle. of fucking work. That's a hassle. Yeah. So, so, so with that, right? For y'all, they even like because I know there's people that they can't afford the one on one, but they're so embarrassed to do the group side of it, right? So it's just saying like, don't be embarrassed, right? Don't be embarrassed because there's people. The same group you're seeking is the same people that are going through the same struggles that you are going through. You know what I'm saying, right? So that that's another avenue to to search that type of help. Look for for groups. Uh, listen, social media right now, you can find it. Yep. You could find it. Google, you can find it. Like there's there's no way that you cannot find something on on, on online and right in the palm of your hand. It's just you got to put yourself out there to search for it. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, it's it's a lot of money. But if you love your health for real, if you love your life for real, that's something I would feel that oh, yeah. you would really want to like seek on your own. Right? right, and don't be embarrassed. That's just the main thing. That's why we're here giving out this information so y'all can feel more comfortable yes. with mm-hmm. all this. Or be embarrassed and still do it anyway. That's okay. I, I, hey, I'm with you. I'm rolling. I'm rolling. <laughs> you could be scared and do it. I'm you could be anxious and do it. Just try to get it done. You're right. Because yeah. now we we ain't all Superman or Superwoman. Like we're not perfect. You know what I'm saying? We all get scared on a lot of things. We just gotta push forward, man. Yeah. Do you feel like you like a therapist like twenty four seven like with your friends? Yeah. Do your friends come up to you like, oh my god, I'm going through this situation and they they expecting you to help them out since you're a therapist. 
So <laughs> that's it. If I had a therapy, if I had a therapy, you, you, you just don't put her on the spot right now. So right. would you use the, like you use a, the, like every time like yo listen? Yeah, I'm, I'm going through. Sure. What do you think about this? Like I'm off the clock. Oh, wait, number oh, one. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have one. Like one of my close friends is also a therapist. She did social work. I did mental health. So okay. they we can do the same things, but they're two different tracks. Social work is more like systems management, like case management stuff yeah. like that. Mental health is a little bit different. Um, so it's funny because we I was once telling her like we shouldn't therapize our friends, and then <laughs> there came a time where I was like, oh, this is actually within us. Like we became therapists because I was right. going to. I was going to talk this shit anyway. <laughs> I just got an education where I can yeah. say, look, I, I, the state says I could talk this shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the game. Talk that shit. <laughs> like, that's true. Like, hey. I'll yo, toot your horn, yo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Seriously. But I do think that there's always, like, a layer of me that is looking at things with the question why, mm. how, those kind of, like, therapeutic yeah. investigative questions. Um, but if you t- if my friend tells me that their boyfriend cheated on them, we're going to get him. Hey, okay. <laughs> I don't him. care about that man. <laughs> that's, that's not, hey, He's hey. not my client. Hey. <laughs> so. Intrusive thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's funny. But you, so, but you know what? Like, do, you, do, do you, in your own ways, do you actually like start studying people on your own just oh, because? Course. And your friends be like, but again, I was doing that before anyway. I you just have I just have the education now. It's kind of hard to snap yourself out of it, but I'm I've always been a person that's like even if I don't say anything, I'm like I'm I'm investigating, I'm studying, I'm looking. Yeah. I peep what that was in the corner. I see that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say anything. I was going to say but would you w- because of the person you are that you know you have the knowledge for it. Like you say you certified, you got all your stuff. You put yourself and be like well, listen, you know, um, <laughs> I was looking at the study with you. Like, I want to put your own two cents into it now, right? Like, I just want to tell you I just want to tell you a little real quick. Let me, you know, don't take it the wrong way, you know, but I feel like, do you have, do you have put yourself that you want to do that? I would, I, I, if I do feel like that, I'll ask questions. Because gotcha. I want the, if I want, if I see my friend struggling with something, I want them to come to the conclusion themselves. And I'm not perfect at this because I'm, I'm, while I have a therapist mind, I'm not always like, putting on that hat to think about stuff. And I don't think people should, sorry, because I don't think people should look at a therapist like they are perfect, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of the, a lot of people do look at it that way and be like, okay, she's a therapist or he's a therapist and, um, you know, they should know what they're doing, talking about they shouldn't be going through these problems because they should know better. You know what I mean? So don't think everybody's not perfect. No. You know what I mean? So take it as face value as it is. Then we're here to help and everything, but don't take it as we're supposed to be this high almighty thing yeah. that or oh, therapists are supposed to be this high almighty thing that you know you're putting in a pedestal to say Don't say the least right you know what i'm saying because you're be disappointed real quick and, 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 yeah. and that's when you put yourself there and go okay don't do that so you won't be disappointed yeah. because we're not perfect yeah. i just wanted to say that because you were saying yeah. that no therapists are not perfect i mean there are people who are therapists who are recovered alcoholics there are people who are therapists who have used substances and are in recovery. There are people who are therapists who have OCD and have been through OCD. Wow. Tra- like we, just because we have the education doesn't mean we don't struggle either. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really do want people to see therapists as like, I'm struggling with maybe not the same things, but we struggle too. 
whether it's with finances, whether it's with relationships, whether we struggle on all, we're human beings. I wasn't born at there. I didn't come out the womb with therapist. I wanted to be a medical examiner and that shit didn't work out. But that that goes to what I was saying earlier about in order for you to know the profession, you have to be the profession. Like what she said, she failed a few times and look where she's at now. Yeah. You know what I mean? She had to experience the worst to come out great. It's always like that. And I love that shit, man. That shit is awesome, bro. To see the the downfall and the come up. It's always like that. I mean, but you're also, for everyone, you have to fail. That's how we learn to succeed later on. Is that we're and that the same goes for treatment. I don't expect anyone who comes into treatment for me wi- with me for OCD to be perfect at it. I tell them straight up, like, you are going to fuck up. When I give you these exercises to do, you're gonna mess up. I don't want you to do it intentionally. Mm-hmm. If it happens on its own, mm-hmm. let it happen on its own. What we're gonna do is we're gonna learn from that and we're gonna tweak it and try better next time. Mm-hmm. But you're gonna fuck up because you're supposed to, because you're actively challenging something that is a fear for you. And that's not going to happen perfectly. Never, nothing's ever going to happen perfectly. But right. especially in OCD treatment, you trying that first exercise, that first exposure that we do, that first inching your way towards your fear, your anxiety, it's not going to go perfect. You're going to mess it up. And that's totally fine because that's the process. It's yeah. a journey. We're not trying to rush you through a process. We want you to get there on your own. Yeah. You got to feel uncomfortable to get comfortable again. Pretty much. Yep. You, know you got to sit with the discomfort. That's really yeah. what OCD treatment is more or less about teaching your brain that I can exist with discomfort and I don't have to do anything to necessarily fix it. I can just allow it to exist. And I don't have to I don't have to try to make it better. I can allow myself to feel bad and that's okay too. Eventually I'll feel a little bit better if I practice things enough that I my brain learns I don't have to be scared all the time. Mm-hmm. But you're going to fuck up and you should allow yourself to fuck up. I like that yeah. exist yeah. in the discomfort. Right, you know you have to. You have that's the only way of growth. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's no way you're not gonna grow out of staying in the same place all the time. You're yeah, just gonna be true. there all the time. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, but real quick because I wanted to go back to uh, um, you know when when I when I was talking about the fine line on um, uh, um, people getting diagnosed with, with with things that they're really not right. And I want to I want to touch on you because we always had this conversation, um, with with your son, uh-huh. right? Oh, that ADHD. Right, that yeah. they they try to say one thing, and you said no, fuck that, that's that's not that's not happening, mm-hmm. right? Kids are kids; they're gonna they they're gonna be hype, they're gonna be hyper, they're gonna do things like it's not <clears throat> it's not something that you automatically want to say. That's that mm-hmm. what that kid has, right? So you as as, as the, the the dad, right, the father that you mm-hmm. are, he uh decided that it wasn't it. Mm-hmm. Look at him now. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I told you that before. I was like, mm-hmm. I, I told you, I said, yo, like he 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 did a whole mm. cha- a whole three mm-hmm. one eighty. Mm-hmm. Like this kid, well, he, hey, respect, yo, like, and I told you about that, like, yo, Josh, is, I mean, uh, Jack's different, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But if you would have fell into that space and said, okay, um, I believe you, that's what it, mm-hmm. and now they, they want to give a medication, mm-hmm. this, that, and the third. What would what would have been worse from there, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of these things are self self inflicted, not from you, but from people that don't know how to really diagnose exactly. these symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the shit right there that 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 gets me upset. That gets me tight because of those things. It gives it a a, a bad uh, um, narrative towards people that are trying to do good mm-hmm. or really diagnosing to versus to the ones that just all right, pass them through. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right. So. Right. Now, we actually have a question about since you mentioned kids. Yeah. 
um, coming from one of our fans on Instagram. Uh, her name is your favorite coach, Jess. She says, "Do you feel it's nece- do you feel it's necessary to put a child on medication to treat OCD?" That's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, I think it is always a case by case basis. Some people, everyone, everyone's bodies are different. Like some people do very well with just treatment, just therapy for OCD. And I've worked with kids before who do who are not medicated but do very well with treatment. I've also worked with kids who have OCD and ADHD and the two are kind of like battling each other and they're on medication for both, but they need that medication because any when they weren't on medication, things were somewhat unmanageable for them. It's not about the parents necessarily. It's for them. Does that mean that every kid that has OCD or every person that has OCD needs to be medicated? I don't think so. I think you need to consult. I'm not a doctor, so I don't do anything medication-wise, but I think you need to consult a psychiatrist, maybe get a second opinion. Does sci- our psychiatrist always right? I don't know. I don't think I think that it goes back to misdiagnosis and maybe not looking at the case the right way or not looking at the symptoms the right way. I think people have done very well on on just treatment. I think people have done very well on OCD medication. I've also seen people take be prescribed something for anxiety or OCD. They take it and they feel a lot worse. And then they stick mm-hmm. it out because they're like, okay, I know that my body has to get used to it. And then they go on it long term and they're like, this is not working for me. I need to try something else. It's trial and error. You have to kind of go back to the drawing board. Um, I do think that if you have, if you, f- people are saying that your kid might be exhibiting symptoms of ADHD, it never hurts to get, if you're, the teachers are saying that it doesn't hurt to get a follow-up with a mm-hmm. professional, but it is within your right to not follow through with what the professional says. Um, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. I think people have done really well on medication and people have not taken medication and still done well. It really is a case-by-case basis. And this is what I mean, like, you have to really know the individual and get all the information. Okay. The first time you go into therapy, it's not just you tell me your life story and now I know your life story. It's a process of the first couple of sessions mm-hmm. were getting to know you. So what might be a glaring symptom in the beginning might not be a glaring symptom later on three sessions in. It really is case-by-case. Case. You need all that kind of case information. Yeah, because, yeah, because e- even before we move to the next thing, because even um, with him, um, when he w- when he was a baby, he he had a speech impediment, right? But he was ex- he would express himself physically, mm-hmm. right? So because of that, they wanted to put him as something else, mm-hmm. right? Like he was just like misdiagnosed, misdiagnosed, yeah. right? So no, fuck that. Got him uh, the the early um, intervention. Mm-hmm. He started like articulating more things as, as, as it went, and it progressed. Where, where he's at, right? Doing the fucking podcast. You know what I'm saying? The, <laughs> you, you, you understand? He's like the Bro. calmest person. Yeah. He's like the calmest person. He's just, he's just calm. Like he just mad chill. He's, he don't talk as high. He's just like, well, yeah, you know. Like he just that's just him. Yeah. So I didn't even know that. That's crazy. Yeah, you <laughs> see, look at that. Look, 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 look at that. And here you are. But I ain't always mixed diagnosis, right? Like you said. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they wanted to put. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay. No, why would you want to go directly to that? Like, mm-hmm. let's find solutions. Let's right. not just jump into those type of things. Right. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, but just be aware. Listen, what I, my bottom line is what I'm trying to say is that get second opinions yeah. and, and so far if you if you need to, mm-hmm. right? Just don't jump on the first one because, you know, Dr. whatever his name is yeah. said. <laughs> Snuffleupagus. said that this is what it's supposed to be. What it's supposed to be. No. Get, get more, you know what I'm saying? Fuck that. And making sure that the right, the per, 
whoever's the whatever the professional is that's doing the assessing or the testing is using the right tool. So like if you are if someone thinks that their child or even adults because adults get diagnosed with ADHD more now because they weren't diagnosed when they were kids. Yes. And then they realize now like I'm really struggling with focusing other things like I can't keep still. I, and then you get diagnosed as an adult and here like you didn't get that when you were a kid yeah. because people missed the signs or you know, the way that we looked at it might have been different back in the day. So now they get a, a diagnosed as an adult. You need to, specifically with ADHD, a psychologist is going to administer psychological testing. Uh, someone like me, I can't diagnose for ADHD because I am not, a, I'm a therapist, but I'm not, I'm not a psychologist. And psychologists specifically do psychological testing for mm. what would be considered like neurodivergent disorders. Yeah, yeah. And ADHD is one of those disorders that is considered neurodivergent. Sheesh. Ooh-wee. Oh yeah. man! Yeah. I got another question. Yeah, we got, got some. We got some questions from 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 the people out here. From the yeah. from the good followers. The 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 the. Thank you for submitting these. No, listen again. Like, just want to thank y'all, the supporters, for uh, submitting these questions as we was put, trying to post them and putting them up. You know, y'all gave a little resistance, but you know. Some came through. I like it. I like it. I, and I, I hope as, and far, saying like <laughs> as far as y'all got into this episode, y'all got a little information. Y'all got a little education on what, what's really going on between anxiety, OCD, intrusive thoughts, because intrusive thoughts is something else. Yeah. It gets <laughs> deep, man. It gets deep. Yeah, it does. So I got one question mm -hmm. um, from one of the guests who it was from Maisie, right? And it was, how do I know? No, matter of fact, this one was from Chloe. How do I know from anxiety and how to overcome it? How do I know yeah, that you have anxiety and how to overcome it? Everyone feels anxious. So number one, everyone has anxiety. Again, this is one of those things like I don't care who you are. If you want to dispute it, go ahead, dispute it. You're wrong. Every single person. It's a human emotion. So I we never all get anxiety. <laughs> 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 so we all experience it. And anxiety doesn't always have to be bad. It could just be like nerves. Like I used to get test anxiety and it wasn't pleasant by any measure, but it didn't always mean that I was going to do bad on a test. It's just the pressure of like knowing that I'm going to take this test. And then some, some people get test really bad test anxiety to where they cannot take the test or they cannot function in that moment. Yeah. So there's mm -hmm. levels to it, different levels of severity. I think that if you're feeling anxious about something and you're aware enough to pinpoint that it's because of a specific fear or because of a specific worry or thing that you're you're fearful of happening think about what am i losing by not engaging in this thing so for example if i have if i have anxiety traveling right yeah. maybe flying on planes or just being away from my home I could make the conscious choice to not travel, but what if I want to explore the world? What if I want to explore other states? Is my anxiety getting in the way of me losing out on those experiences? So then the best, the best thing to do for that is learn to sit with the anxiety, sit with the discomfort, pinpoint specifically why, what's the function of it, and how, what is making you anxious itself? Is it a fear of something bad happening, the plane crashing? Is it a fear of yeah. something bad will happen to your home? Are you worried about being in a new, unfamiliar place? And still try to do it anyway, because the more that you avoid, avoidance is just reinforcement of fear. So the mm. more that we avoid, the more that we're telling mm. our brains, that thing is too scary and I am incapable. And you are not incapable. You're absolutely capable. We and are it took all over capable. you. And it took over you. And now you're, di you're letting it dictate your behavior. Mm. So you might miss out on stuff that you genuinely want to do or genuinely get enjoyment or nourishment out of, but your anxiety is impairing your functioning, and now you're avoiding it. 
Unless yeah. you like Final Destination movie, and you're like, that's my favorite movie. Ah, well, well, you're dead. You know nah, thank you for putting that vision out there, buddy. Like, after she, after she, done blo- she, she, she done bombed it right now, bro, bro she you over here putting the fucking... Put the well, you know, if you, have the, <laughs> yeah, right, if you have the feeling of it, you know, just always think about Final Destination. You know, like, damn, bro. Like, that's my number one movie. I go with it all the time. I, mean, I fuck with it. I but fuck with it. Damn. That's what's up. But it's too much saying. It's too much saying. You got to overcome that fear. Yeah. It's Somehow, funny somewhere. that you bring that up because... That's also what is the foundation of OCD and anxiety. The fear of uncertainty. The fear of those what if questions. What if I do, what if I want to drive off that bridge and don't know it? I mean, I, in theory, could. I probably won't. Maybe but I survive. I could, technically. Could. <laughs> you might not. Yo, but. But, but it is, OCD and anxiety is maintained by that fear of, I don't have all the answers, and I don't have 100% certainty that this thing isn't going to happen, so I behave or I think in a way that is... The safest way? The safest okay. way. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, is, it really is coping skills that are now being used to maintain your anxiety. Because anything can be a compulsion. Yep. Any, you know, cleaning can be a compulsion, yeah. but doesn't mean that cleaning is inherently a compulsion. We all clean. And not everyone that cleans has uses it as a compulsion. Some people just clean because they like to clean. Some people clean because they're fearful that if I don't clean, then I'm going to spread germs. Or for me, I have a dog. If I don't clean or if I don't check my dog, what if my dog has fleas and <laughs> I bring it in the house and now i got to get an external. And so it is that fear of uh, uncertainty, and we cannot have certainty, 100% certainty on anything. That's Part of what we work on in OCD anxiety therapy is getting comfortable with embracing the possibilities that could happen, but also acknowledging that nothing could happen. Okay. Booyah. Because it still might upset you. Yeah. Okay. I could. Yeah, we got to drop the bomb for that. We got to drop the bomb for that, because that was, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Ooh, okay, yeah. That's it. <laughs> right. Even with, like, contamination, right? There's different reasons why people worry about cleanliness, contamination, OCD. Yeah. It could be the spread of germs. I just don't want to be dirty. It could be the fear of if I get dirty and spread it, then I'm spreading disease, and people I care about get diseases. And that's contamination, but that's also harm because yeah. you don't want to harm your people you care about. You don't want to be responsible OCD. for harm. And now it also becomes responsibility OCD. So you see that, like, <laughs> OCD. Damn, responsibility <laughs> OCD, bro. Holy <laughs> 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 shit. Yo, this is OCD real. Is OCD is OCD. What is maintaining it is that fear of uncertainty, that fear of not being safe, that fear of the next shoe dropping and you not being prepared. It's all maintained by uncertainty. So you could put anything in front of it, OCD. You could. It could be anything that anything. you think of could become an obsession. There you go. Boom. Uh, there you go. All right. I got another question from, uh, from Rosemary, Rosebud on Instagram. She says, besides the smell... Besides the smell the flowers and blow out the candle technique, what other techniques can you use for controlling anxiety? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that the smell the smell the flowers blow out the candles is good for it's a breathing exercise and it's good for kind of like heightened anxiety. So when you feel almost like an anxiety attack or a panic attack or like your anxiety is so debilitating in the moment that you cannot do what you were supposed to do, it's those breathing techniques to bring you back into your body are a really good technique. We also use something for um, panic attacks, but you can also use it for anxiety too, Um, especially if you feel like you're not, the anxiety is getting to you so intensely that you feel like you're almost dissociating or like not present in your body. Um, We call it the five, four, three, two, one. And 
if there's a therapist out there listening to this, I could be fucking up the order. So <laughs> let us know. <laughs> Hit me up. Correct me, please. But it's bringing yourself back into your body and noticing five things I can see, five things I, uh, four things I can smell, three things I can hear, one thing I can touch, two things I can touch, one thing I can taste. The order might not be exactly yeah. like that. But it, it's meant to bring yourself back into the present so that you don't get out of yourself and allow the anxiety to debilitate you. It, not that you can really control that. It might be debilitating, but you might want to, in the moment, bring yourself back into your body so you can focus on the present. <laughs> Aside from that, I would also say if the anxiety, especially if it's avoidance, if the anxiety is telling you you can't do something or you shouldn't do something or you shouldn't see someone or you shouldn't ask a certain question, test it out and see how it feels after you do the thing that your brain is mm -hmm. telling you not to do or after not doing the thing your brain is telling you to do because you won't really be 100% sure if that thing is a trigger or if that thing is like the source of your anxiety mm -hmm. until you actually engage with it. Yeah, yeah. It might not be, and it might be. You won't know until you do it. kind of test it. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I got one more question. Does the popping of a rubber band control the anxiety of self-harm? Mm. Well, like that sound of like a popping rubber band? No, you have it on your... I was about to say so, when I say that, the, yeah, so when I, I say the popping of a rubber band, you have it on your wrist, yeah. right? And you have it and you just pop, 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 pop. Just that sensation mm. of, of, the, of the rubber band attacking your skin. You know, th th can that control the anxiety of self-harm? I think it might for some people. I've worked with a lot of people that have tried that technique and it doesn't necessarily help. That doesn't mean that it's not good for everybody. It might help some people. Um, but I also think that's really like Hollywoodified where people are like, that's the <laughs> cure to, to keep yourself from self-harming. Um, it could be a, a redirection to something that like you're, you bring yourself back into your body and you can feel a sensation where it takes your attention off wanting to harm self-harm, mm -hmm. but it doesn't work for everybody. I've worked for people who have used that and it's help. I've worked for people, I've worked with people who have used that and they self-harmed, they self-harmed anyway. Again, it goes individual case by case. That's the reason why, that's the reason I brought that up because, um, I know a lot of cutters. And a lot of cutters told me that when they so pop, that, that's what they call it, cutters. Yeah, yeah they call cutters. Yeah. Okay. Well, when I was in the hospital, they, that's that's yeah. they call cutters. Yeah, people that's what they cut themselves. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I've seen where the scars are like coming up to their, mm. to their, uh, to their muscle part of their arm, and you look at them like, yo, oh, you know, I just love the sensation of, of cutting myself. Yeah, that's so. <coughs> um, in the hospital, there were um, the nursing and the therapeutic staff will give them a rubber band, and tell them since you like the sensation of you feeling the cut, try to pop. Better that than cutting yourself, pretty much. Oh, uh, it is an intervention, and it can mechanism. be. Yeah, it's a, it's a redirect. It's a coping skill, a new coping right, skill. Right, right, for the pain and all that. Right, like yeah. for the sensation, I guess for it. Which, mm -hmm. hey, listen, it's better than cutting yourself for real. Like, but you see, the reason why I asked it because it's anxiety that we're talking about, not yeah. cutting. Mm -hmm. You know, what I'm saying cutting yeah. is a little different from anxiety. Some people you would use the rubber band and uh, uh, as a mantra, like pop, 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 and they feel the popping. They're like, <sighs> boom, I'm done. Now they can get okay. up and go about their day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's one of those things that can be used for multiple purposes. It might just be something that redirects your attention okay. to, like, the physical sensation. Maybe some people who cut use it. Maybe they don't. Maybe people who have anxiety or trauma also use it because it redirects them back into their body to feel that sensation. Um, case by case. Yeah. Always. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I got one. I f amazing. Um, how do you typically handle irritation, aggravation, and frustration? 
Like everybody else does, not well. I think she was talking. I think she was talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> she basically wrote your name. I guess she was talking about me because I'll be honest with you, bro. Like that was like okay, it's all right, damn. That, that's how you feel out here. So. <laughs> Just, yeah. just tell me the truth right now. Tell bro. me the truth. Right? That's, that's how I make you feel. Oh, but yeah, but I think like for me specifically, like anyone else, if I'm frustrated, what's the source? I'm asking myself, what am I reacting to? It doesn't mean that I'm I'm not feeling that because I do feel that, but more so like what, what, how, and why? What am I reacting to? What am I responding to? If I have an overreaction or, and I'm not great at this, like it's always a work in progress because we're humans. Yeah. But if I'm having an overreaction, what is going on in my environment that is triggering me and why did i respond that way will i always act myself that probably not immediately yeah have to kind of come back down to baseline and reassess um but i think it's if you're feeling that way really asking yourself like what am i responding to it's it's a safe uh, it's like per se is a um a good exercise to always Keep in mind yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. And things might just be fucking frustrating. Like, allow yourself the the grace of, like, no, this thing that happened pissed me off, and I have the right to be frustrated. I don't have to immediately try to self-soothe or fix it because I'm having an experience, and I, like I am responding to something. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that because it is – I definitely like that. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, yeah, because at least you allow yourself to get it out. Yeah. yeah. We tend yeah. to pathologize, meaning we tend to make certain emotions seem like abnormal or like it's coming from a symptom or it's inherently rooted in something traumatic. Some shit just sucks. <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> we went through a pandemic. Like, Lord some up, shit man. just sucks. That's and true. it's okay for things to just suck and acknowledge that. Sometimes your environment literally is harming you, especially for marginalized people. Um, people of color, black, brown people, uh, queer people, trans mm-hmm. people. We, they, we live in a state of we're always looking for safety. Mm-hmm. Or we're always trying to make sure that we are keeping ourselves safe. So sometimes we pathologize these symptoms where it's just you proportionately responding to your environment. And that can happen in the therapy room as well. A lot of times it, it's a double-edged yeah. sword because mm-hmm. you can – what seems like a symptom might just be a proportionate response or reaction yeah. to their environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Because yeah. when I went to when I went to uh, to therapy, at first I thought about it, and I had a female therapist. So I thought at first I was like, well, "She's gonna know about me, female. She don't know nothing about men. <laughs> what am I gonna tell her? If I express my feelings to my wife, what is this woman gonna tell me? Well, she's gonna tell me I'm fucking, I'm a man. Suck she it might, up. she might take your woman's side. Yeah, right. Suck we, it all, up. we always think suck that. Okay, okay, Yo, lie. you a man? Suck it up, but. <laughs> You know, the first one, I hid myself. <coughs> I hid myself. I didn't want to express nothing. Like, I, I was like, she said, what are you here for? I was like, I don't know. She's like, for real? Like, and she was a young doctor. At the time, she was, she was pregnant. So um, um, she was expressing her becoming a mom for the second time. And how is it a little stressful that she can't really go to anybody at the time as be- her being pregnant to talk to her about her problems? Yeah. So I looked at it, and I did the, all right. So check it. This is the reason why I'm here. So that's when I actually broke it down. And then the, the, the second visit was okay. The third visit was okay. It wasn't up to like the sixth visit that I actually started going into the room and they started letting her know, like, yo, check this out. What happened to me? Yo. Then she'll sit back. Instead of giving me some whack ass response, she'll actually break it down. Like, what if you thought about it this way? And when you put your shoes, your foot in somebody else's shoes, what if this, that, and the third? 
But why are you thinking this? You know, so she'll break it down to me where I'm like, and then I thought to myself, you know what? I don't need it anymore. You know what I'm saying? So I told myself, I don't need it. But I still have it. Don't get me wrong. It's there. I can make a phone call and I'll yeah, have it yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I don't, I don't need it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if you really feel like there's a need for it and you feel like you don't need it, just try it. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, yeah I don't think you should be afraid to, to try it. Like, just don't be afraid to try it. Yeah. I, that's just pretty much yeah. what it is. Like, and, don't and, be afraid to try it. And that was my thing because, like, what we said before, this was before the podcast was made mm-hmm. or even thought of. Mm-hmm. So me being a man, and I thought to myself, me being a man, why would I want to s- express myself? Because us men, we uh, we we fight in silence. Word. You know, we struggle in silence. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 express the way we feel in 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 physical activities and emotions that can't really be expressed because of who we are as a man. Mm-hmm. So the when patriarchy, I, basically. So when I went into the therapy room and I started doing that, I felt better. I was like, you know what? What? I, I encouraged two other guys to do it. Yeah. Did they go do it? No. So that's, that's how I look a, at it. That's the thing, though. You can, again, you don't have to be married to your therapist forever. People go, some people go to therapy for years because their therapist stays in the same practice or owns their own practice for years, and that's totally is, up to them. Is that comfortability at that point? It can, I mean, yeah. You If you're going to someone long-term, and like on and off, I think that this person probably knows so much about you that it's hard to open up to someone no, else. Yeah. Some people are willing to do it. Um, it also depends where you go. People who have private practices are probably like more likely to stay longer because they own their business versus people who are kind of working in agencies or working for mental health tech companies or working for someone else where there's high turnover rates. And why are there high turnover rates? Because there's high burnout rates, which we talked about. But back to what you were saying, y- some people, especially for OCD anxiety, we want you to, if you're getting treatment for OCD anxiety, we want you to taper off of therapy. We don't, we love you because you're our client, so we care for you, but we don't, we want you to graduate from therapy eventually because that means that you have worked on your symptoms so much that you can manage it independently and you have the tools in your toolbox to manage it independently and you don't necessarily need, need me. You can always come back if things get a little bit, unmanageable again that's the door is always open but it is a good thing to break up with your therapist because most of the time it's a good thing to break up with your therapist unless it's because it's not a good fit which you are absolutely within your right to do because you have to have a good fit a good rapport with your therapist (laughs) but we want you to not be there forever if you want to stay forever for as long as we're we're working at that specific place that's awesome because we have a good relationship yeah graduating therapy is important because it means that you've moved on it means that you've progressed you can always come back but you can do things independently. You can fly, spread your wings without mm-hmm. me, and that's a beautiful thing. We want that for you. That's what like she said. Spread your wings, fly, baby, like a peacock. Fly, <laughs> baby, fly. So at the end of it all, man, to kill it right here, yo. If you need help, seek it. Yes, simple yes. as that. You can catch her at seven one eight counseling on Instagram. Oof. Check there you go. Listen, Bronx forever. Bronx forever. You want to <laughs> shout out anything? Who do I want to shout out? Um, a co- oh, two pages that are really good. Um, we didn't get too much into it, but I did want to talk about. Uh, uh, I'll come back maybe one day. Yeah, you will. have me back. Oh, no, 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 okay. for sure. No, no, <laughs> hell, yo, listen. Oh, we got. There's, there's way more conversation than this, like for sure. Yeah. Um, so a conversation for our next next episode, whenever I come back, is uh, decolonizing therapy because therapy therapeutic practices are inherently Eurocentric. So like white people have 
built the foundation of what therapy should look like. Mm. And we know that. I did not know that. That might not work for people who are not white. So if you're interested in learning more about anti-oppressive practices in therapy, follow Body Justice Therapist on Instagram. I've been learning a lot from her, and I'm trying to incorporate that into my own practice. Um, And Decolonizing Therapy is another good page to learn about how we can be more um, culturally competent in the therapy practice and not only utilize Eurocentric interventions that are known to work for white people because the clinical trials have been done mostly on white people. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Speak to them. <laughs> no, no, yeah. listen, listen. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to definitely follow those pages. Yo, yeah, word. Sure. That's different. Yo. I like that. But that's definitely, I like that you brought that up because keep 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 the suspense because I like that. That's that going to be, that's that going to be for next time. Next time. That's going to be next time for y'all. Next that conversation. Was, that was fire. That was fire. So, fire. listen, y'all. Thank y'all. We love y'all. Y'all came, stood this far. Obviously, y'all supported us. Y'all love us. Don't forget to like, share, comment, all that. Subscribe. You know what I mean? Uh, so next up, this is my closing statement pretty much. So I don't know if pass it over. <laughs> pass the ball. <laughs> all right, yeah. So thank y'all for tuning in. And if you have any more questions after this episode, you know, just let us know. Hit us in the DM on Instagram at Off Experience Pod. And that's it. Oh, yo, all I got to say is live, love, prosper, y'all. Peace. Let's go. <laughs> Peace, bless, love. Give thanks to the man above. <laughs> Y'all lost me there for a minute, bro. <laughs>